There are times in life when you're absolutely gripped by the depth of an amazing um, yet simple truth. And this right now has the chance to be one of those moments, one of those times. How deep is God's love for us? As we listen to this song, we enjoy the music, and I don't know, for me, this song always kind of stirs my heart, even emotionally, uh, the lyrics and the sound. How deep is God's love for us, his love for you and his love for me? You see, we say God loves you all the time, and we say or sing Jesus loves me all the time. But the true impact of that statement, the profound meaning behind these simple words, it's so often lost. You see, it takes, it takes effort to see below the surface. It takes extra effort. It, uh, it takes work to shake ourselves out of our familiar thought process. It takes time and energy to go beyond the comfortable and the easy Uh, So we have the chance to be moved into a deeper understanding, into a richer experience. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, I pray that you'd show us your love today, right now. We want to see your love today with fresh eyes. We want to understand your love with fresh minds. We want to experience the depths of your love with every fiber of our being, Lord God, knowing that it has the potential to change us in simple and yet profound ways. Give us courage to really look for your love today. We want to be awakened by the fullness of your heart and the expression of your unconditional love applied to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I remember the first time that I realized how much God loved me. I was about six years old. I'd been going to church. My family went to church, you know, every Sunday and and heard all those things. But I was in a, a summer vacation Bible school, not at church, but in my neighborhood. And I was, I don't know, six or eight houses up the road. In a, in a neighbor's house in their living room. And I heard for the first time, I remember that many years ago, hearing about Jesus and how much he loved me, how much God loved me so much that he wanted to send, that he did send his son Jesus to come and, and live a perfect life and die for me. And, and, and why wouldn't I want him in my life? You know, With that simple mind of a child, I figured if God loved me that much, I wanted to receive that love. And so I asked Jesus into my heart, you know, why wouldn't I want his love and forgiveness to fill me? Why wouldn't I want to go to heaven for eternity? Again, this is from a child's perspective, but is it any different, you know, for an adult? That became a very real moment for me, and I have to say that God's love changed my life that day. And really our prayer um, is that sometime for you in the past, maybe sometime in the future, maybe just flat out right today, that God's love will change your life maybe more than it has already to this point. Well, today we are talking about God's love, and the truth is that it's more than ordinary. This love that we're talking about, it's more than ordinary. It's extraordinary, and it's more than that even. It's extravagant, and I love that word extravagant. It's been used in some praise and worship tunes and whatever, but it's a big word that is rich meaning. It goes beyond what's um, deserved or what's justifiable. It's unrestrained. It's fantastic. It deserves digging into, and we're going to dig into it this morning. So hang on if you want to. Now, if you haven't already taken out your outline, you can do that. Uh, Again, you can follow along. We have three passages of Scripture we'll be diving into today. You can follow along in your Bible or in your program, and of course, we put them on the screens. If you want to take some notes, you can do that, fill in some blanks or anything else that God puts on your heart. You're welcome to do that. Now, we started kind of um, in a moment there following that song kind of introspective. I want to tell you, though, that um, I discovered during the first two services that as I I get talking about God's love, it doesn't stay very sedate and calm and quiet up here. So I'm just kind of warning you, especially in the front rows, it gets a little little, uh, involved, or I should just say it gets a little excited. 
Because again, this concept of God's love that we so easily blow past is bigger and more alive and more exciting and full and real than most of us really have the time for or take the time for these days. So I just want to kind of share that as we get going here. We're going to be looking at God's extravagant love. What does the Bible say about God's love and what does that mean to us? What, how do I respond to those things? Well, first of all, God's extravagant love makes no sense. I want to just flat out say that God's extravagant love makes no sense. I don't want to just say it. The Bible really says it, not in those exact words, but it's so extravagant that it flat out makes no sense. It's crazy. It's at times illogical. Dr. Mr. Spock might say that on Star Trek days. It's illogical. It's even preposterous. I want to read you a passage of scripture that describes this love of God that makes no sense. We're going to be looking at Romans chapter 5 and beginning in the middle of verse 5 and wandering through three or four verses here. This is a rich passage. I want to read it with you as we go. Here's how it says this in Romans 5. It says, For we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Now, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great love, here it is, for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Now, this passage is kind of mixed up in its, in its timing and its flow, and I want to rearrange it chronologically so we can make better sense of it because it's rich and it's full here. And here here we go, so we can try to understand it. We, all of us, all of us as people, mankind, we are all utterly helpless. We are powerless to affect change ourselves. We are flat-out ungodly sinners. And yes, if you want to use the term pagans, that works too. Okay, that's just each one of us. That's us. It's a description of the human condition left on our own. It's not pretty, but it's true. It just kind of describes right, right out there that's what it is. Scripture says it. We experience that ourselves. Now God, it goes on to say, God sees our sin, he sees our depravity, he sees our hopelessness, he sees our helplessness, and instead of giving up on us and kind of brushing us aside, you know, rolling his eyes going, oh my, why did I bother to create these losers, you know? Instead of doing that, um, he takes an unbelievable step of love. Now he knows that we don't deserve to be loved, he knows we don't deserve to be saved from the penalty of our sin. You see, being a righteous and a just God, our sin deserves and needs to be punished. And God knows that. But instead of taking that next logical step, he makes a conscious choice to, to do something different. And that is that he sent his son Jesus to die for us instead of giving us the rightful penalty for, penalty for our sins. And I have to say, that makes no sense. It makes no sense. You see, it wasn't an accident. It wasn't a spur-of-the-moment impetuous decision that he later regretted. You know, God going, oh, my goodness, what was I thinking? You know, wish I could take that back. It wasn't that at all. It was premeditated. It was planned. And it was performed to absolute perfection. And it was an amazing demonstration of unconditional love. We didn't earn it. We couldn't earn it. But he did it. So I have to say, who does that? Again, when I say it makes no sense, who really does that? Who, Who steps in to save a bad person at the expense of their own life? I mean, maybe someone would do that for an especially good person, but not for someone lost in sin. That makes no sense. Remember what we're doing? We're unpacking Romans 5. Who would do this for for a bad person, let alone even for a good person? Probably not anybody, but, but for a bad person, it makes no sense. Now, I have to be honest with you. I have four sons. I and my wife have four sons, one daughter, but four sons. And to be honest with you, even with four of them, I would not sacrifice any one of them for any one of you. 
Just true confessions. I'd love to be a loving pastor out here and saying, oh, I would be so willing to save you. But the truth is, it just wouldn't happen. And so if we want to flash back to like melodrama days, black and white films, and we've got train tracks, and we've got one of my sons tied on the train tra- railroad tracks right here, and you're about five or eight feet up the train track tied up right there. And here comes a train. It's coming hard, and it's coming fast and loud. And I have time to untie and save just one person. <laughs> Who do you think's getting saved? It ain't you. I, I got to be honest, you know what I mean? I'd feel bad for you as I untied my son and whisked him to safety while you didn't get to safety. It's <laughs> kind of an ugly thought there, right? And that's just the way it would be, okay? That's what would happen. And, and, and as much as I love you, that's the truth because this is my son. And my son, my son has a special place. He has a special place and a special standing. But you see, and, and you would do the same, you would do the same, right? But that's what's so amazing about God's love. It, it doesn't work the way mine does. It doesn't work the way yours does. He chose to save us and sacrifice his son instead. And doesn't his son have special standing? The, the incredible love and relationship between God the Father and, and Jesus, God the Son there, and, and in a sense, Jesus wasn't even on the track, but he says, here, I'm going to go ahead and uh, the analogy breaks down, but run for a second. We'll run with it. You know, he says, I'm going to lay down my son on the track so that I then can lift you up, and he will, he will pay the price of what you deserve. I mean, it makes no sense. Okay, maybe you've been coming to church for a while, and you kind of just get used to this. Oh, yeah, Jesus died for my sins. Boy, time out. This is God's love, and you're going, this is crazy. It's preposterous. It makes no sense. But as we look at these verses, not only does Jesus willingly die for each one of us as an expression of love, but then God sends the Holy Spirit, it says in the verses, into us when we receive Jesus in our lives. He sends the Holy Spirit into us to fill our lives with his love. And so now God, as a follower of Jesus, God is inside of us, and we're experiencing God's love from the inside, and it's teaching us to love God and others with that same extravagant love. God's love is extravagant, and it makes no sense. It gives, it sacrifices, it loves, and it loves, and it's pointed at the very worst of humankind, me and you. I mean, just honestly, it's pointed at the very worst of humankind, you and I. So, so God's extravagant love, it truly makes no sense, if you want to be honest, from a human perspective. Well, what should our response be to it? This is next little sub-point on your outline. What should our response be? We should embrace it anyway. It makes no sense, but embrace it anyway. I see, don't get all caught up in the fact that it makes no sense on human terms. Don't try to reason with it or even maybe try to just rationalize it, uh, you know, in some way. Just say thank you to God and embrace that big, extravagant love. Embrace it. You see, I found that when we don't totally understand something or it doesn't make sense, we often push it away, right? We're skeptical and we kind of stand back. Somebody offers you something, you know, the quote-unquote, there's no such thing as a free lunch. No, really, it's a free lunch. And we kind of kind of step back and go, wait, you know, kind of, what, what's attached to this? There's got to be some strings attached. And we're kind of cautious. We push back from what we don't totally understand. Well, that's just the opposite to our response. It should be with God. Um, God's love doesn't have any catch. There's no catches to it at all. And so the reality is he invites us to fully embrace him with his whole being, with our whole being. And, and, and I didn't say give it a small, polite handshake or even kind of a little smile, a little side hug or shoulder hug. This is a full-on bear hug. Embrace it with a bear hug because it's offered to you with a bear hug from the creator of the universe, okay? So jump into that embrace and squeeze like you've never squeezed before. Ah, you know, allow God to love you and embrace you, even though it makes no sense. You're getting just, your stuffing's getting squeezed out of you, but it feels good. And you're going, this makes no sense. But I like it. But I like it. 
Who cares if it makes sense? That's your mind talking, trying to rationalize it on human terms. Just move into his arms of love and receive that extravagant embrace. So God's extravagant love really makes no sense, if we're honest. But another important thing to know today is that God's extravagant love has no limit. His extravagant love has no limit. You know, it isn't finite. It isn't measurable. It's really humongous. It's gargantuan. It's ginormous, to use one of my favorite words that you don't get to use very often. It's ginormous. It's bigger than that. God's love is there. And, and here's the deal about the size of his love. It's cool to note it, to say it, but we need to respond to it in three ways. The size of God's love. First, we need to know it. We need to know it. It starts with an understanding of God's love here. And uh, we need to know the size, the scope, and the extent of God's love. Now, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 3 and this next, as we develop this point here and, and pull out what it has uh, beginning at verse 17. And it says this, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. And we talked a little bit about that, Christ coming in. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, oops, that's the know it that we're talking about. May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Okay? The Bible's saying it's going to take a lot to understand the size of God's love because it's bigger than you can understand. Okay? But, but try to grasp this. God's love is beyond measure. Measure out, measure across, measure up, measure down, measure any way that you can, and God's love is there, and it keeps going. You know, you look over at the horizon over here, I see God's love, I see God's love, I look up, I look down, look over here, I see God's love. In fact, as I look out as far as I can see, I can see that it just keeps going beyond what my eyes can see. That's a long ways to go. That's an amazing thing. How wide is his love? His love. Wide enough, wide enough to reach the whole world and beyond. As I said, I've got little kids at home, right? It makes me think of Buzz Lightyear. To infinity! and beyond. You know, that's God's love. You know, I've never watched that movie or see Buzz Lightyear again the same without thinking of God's love. God's love to infinity and beyond. You know, that's God's love. And we can smile and go, that's a good thing. Wherever I go, wherever I see, God's love goes and it goes and it goes. How long is his love? It's long enough to stretch from eternity past to eternity future. That's forever in time that way and forever in time that way. That's a long time. That's a lot of love. How high is God's love? God's love is high enough to raise. We think about up, we think about heaven. It's high enough to raise all people that believe in Jesus Christ to heaven in terms of male and female, from every race, from every nation, whatever age. It's high enough to do that. His love is deep enough to rescue people, to rescue me, to rescue you from sin's grip, from the pull, the downward pull, the degradation of sin, from the grip of Satan itself. His love is enough. God says, I want you to know that. I want you to understand that. Even though you can't understand it, because we can't understand infinity, but try, he's saying try to know and to understand this, grapple with this. Well, the second way to respond to God's love, his limitless love, is that we need to experience it. You see, it's great to know God's limitless love, you know, how wide and long and deep and tall and all that, and that it is. But more than that, we need to experience it. It's the next step. We can move beyond head knowledge and move into full experience of that love. Picking up the Ephesians 3 passage, the next verse says, remember we just talked about it, he says, I, I pray that you would understand that you would know the, the height and the depth and the width and the length of, of God's love. And then he says this, he says, may you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to fully understand. Now it's interesting to me, it says that Christ's love is too great to fully understand. He says, try to understand it, but you can't. But I pray that you experience it. It's more than you can understand, but oh, you got to experience it. He's saying, dive in. You've got to experience this fully, regardless of whether you totally understand it. 
You see, we want to experience God's love in action in our lives. We want to experience God's love overflowing. It's more than just refreshing or quenching. We want, we want to feel it. We want to receive it. We want to taste it. Oh, we want to savor it. We want to be blown away by it, you know? We want it to wash over us, to feel it cleanse us, to make us new, refresh, and restore us. I looked outside and saw that blanket of snow this morning during one of the services and said, that's kind of like God's love. It's just everywhere except it's warm. (laughs) But it's just blanketing us. We can go about our lives with this coat, with this draped of love all over us everywhere. And I want to just experience that and revel in it. It refreshes us. It restores us. We want to fully experience God's limitless love, and he wants to us to experience it fully too. He's not holding out. Sometimes we say, I just don't feel God's love. It's not that it's not there. He wants us to experience his love in full all the time, and it's way beyond a feeling. Now, we talked about knowing God's love and experiencing God's love, and they're both important, but you know, we've been going to Uganda now for, I don't know, six years. We've sent eight teams over there with this partnership we have, and you can study and learn all about our ministry partners in Uganda, and we really do our best to train the teams that go over there. You know, we, we make them study and read books, and we talk to them about all the important things that you can understand and know before you go over there, learning about the culture and about the people and what you can expect, and here's what you can, you know, kind of on a head knowledge, do your best to prepare them, but every single time once we go over there the actual experience completes and expands their knowledge in an amazing way every time it's sometimes it's a moment they get off the plane or we land you know sometimes it's a day or two later but our teams are on the ground and i hear things like gosh john i knew that people were loving and gracious over here because you told us about that but but now that i'm experiencing it things move to a whole new level Boy, I heard that things were this way, but oh my. And I could see it, and I thought I understood this, but oh my. See what's happening. I'm stepping back and broadening, going, this sounded good, and I thought I knew it, but oh, when I experienced it, it became so much more real. It wasn't that it was a lie that I was told. It's just more full and more complete. I get it more through experience. See, that's what God wants with his love. He doesn't just want you to know about it or to know it, that it's high and tall and far and wide and all those things. He says, I want you to experience it because it's going to complete, it's going to fill out your understanding of my love. The experience is a wonderful thing. Well, the third way to respond to God's limitless love is that we need to be empowered by it. Okay, we need to know it, we need to experience it, and we need to be empowered by it. Now, I don't know if if power seems like a strange word to to couple with love here, but I want to walk through this because it's in the passage. That's what we're doing is breaking apart these verses. The creator of the universe loves you just the way you are, beyond what you can understand, forever and ever. When you think about it, the creator of the universe created just bazillions of stars, right? You know, planets, and, and, he's, and there are billions of people on Earth right now, what, seven billion or something like that, and yet he takes the time to not only know about you, but he created you, he designed you, he fashioned you, and he says, he says I love you. I love you, specifically you, in a limitless way. I sacrificed Jesus for you in a limitless way. It's a beautiful thing, and it's more than a beautiful thought. It's truth. God's love makes your life rich, full, and complete, and you realize that knowing and experiencing that love, that's power. That's power. Um, it, it's a real thing, and it comes from God. And, and so we, we can take a look at Ephesians 3, 19b. We looked at the first part that said, may you experience the love of Christ, right? We just said that, and then it goes on to say, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. God's love, yes, God's love gives us power. It's a part of the deal. Oh, what do I mean? Well, the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. Power over fear, worry, anxiety, and stress. That sounds like power to me. The Bible says that God's love forgives in Jesus Christ, and we're no longer in bondage to guilt and shame. Isn't that a whole lot of power? 
being free from guilt and shame, that sounds powerful to me. The Bible says that the expression of God's love in Jesus' sacrifice gives us power over sin and death. Is that power? You have power over sin and death on your own? (laughs) Not remotely, right? This is power we're talking about, and it's love that has the power, the love in Jesus. And you see how knowing and experiencing the fullness of God's love gives us power over all these things and more. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're already plugged into the power source. The power source is God. It's God's love. And now you just need to be empowered by it by turning on the power switch. You turn on the switch. You're powered up. I was watching the storm, and, and it fits perfectly. Have you ever driven home? Maybe it's into the evening time, and you wondered if your power went out. It was in the midst of a big storm, and we live up on Banner, and, you know, this is happening. You drive up, and you see lights in houses around you not on. You're like, well, maybe nobody's home. You know, I wonder if I have power. So, you know, so maybe, maybe this has happened to you or not, but you pull in, and you just kind of wonder. You walk inside. Now, you can walk inside wondering if you've got power, and then you can sit down in the dark and sit there and wonder all night long. Or you can do what? Go turn on the light switch, and then at least you'll know, right? You know, are you going to bet you know, a lantern or flashlight up or go to a friend's house or whatever? But at least you'll know. And so I'm going to encourage you and tell you that this is what God wants. You've got the power. You're wired on all the time. The power source is there. Flip the light switch. It's there. Flip it. Hit the switch. In Jesus Christ, you're always powered by God's love. So don't sit in the dark full of fear and worry. Don't sit in bondage. Hit the switch. God's love gives us power, more than just understanding, but true power and victory in Jesus Christ over all these things. So it isn't just knowing about God's love and not just experiencing God's love, but then that love working into us and through us and really giving us the power that God desires for us to have. We are more than conquerors, the Bible says in Jesus Christ. Not just a conqueror, but more than conquerors. Sounds like power to me. Okay, so God's extravagant love, it makes no sense. Okay, second, it has no limit. Those are great things. But the third thing to note today is that God's extravagant love is with me always. Is with me always. God's love is with me when I'm asleep and when I'm awake. That's kind of nice. I can go to sleep not worrying about God's going to go away and stop loving me. I've got to stay awake to keep his love. It's there. It's with me. It's with me when I'm walking close to him, and it's with me when I'm having trouble even praying. Do you catch that? It's with me when I am on fire and I'm walking so close to Jesus, I'm just bursting. And it's equally with me when a week goes by and I go, I'm not even sure I talked to God more than about one time at a mealtime this week. God's love is with me in both places. God's love is with me in both places. It's, uh, it's God's extravagant love is with me when I'm at church. Hallelujah, amen, I'm glad of that. You know, here we are. But it's, it's equally with me when I'm in the middle of some incredible business pressures and hassles of, of life that's there. It's, it's, with, it's with me when I'm selflessly serving my neighbor, being like Jesus, and when I'm actually skipping my community group because I want to watch the basketball game at home. It is. Did you catch that? Serving my neighbor like Jesus or flaking out, I'm sorry, skipping my community group, my small group, my community group, because I want to watch a basketball game. Now, I'm not saying that the choice doesn't matter here, okay? I'm not saying it doesn't matter which you choose, but I'm saying God's love isn't going to change regardless. Okay, the right choice to make is community group every time, right? That's why we have TiVo, okay? So get that kind of, no, 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 that's part of it there. So again, I'm not saying that that your choice doesn't matter, but what I want to help you understand is you're not earning more of God's love because I went to community group group this week and I read my Bible seven times, even memorized two verses. God must really love me this week. You know what God's saying? Yeah, I do really love you this week. The same as if you'd memorized no verses and you had just the worst week of your life. 
Now, he loves it when we spend time with him in the word and, and memorize scripture and do all these things. He, he enjoys that, but it doesn't change his love for us. His love is with us always. His love is with us always. And you know what always means? Good job, front row. Always. It's one of those technical. You know what it means in the Greek? Always. It's right there. You know, it's not supposed to be brain surgery here. We just kind of dodge it. I, I, I love these verses in Romans 8, 38 and 39. It closes the chapter. I memorized them years ago. And I got to tell you, it's a list. And sometimes lists like the ABCs, you know, XYZ is not more important than ABC. It's just a one at a time letter thing. And that's great. You know, teach our kids alphabet. This list is like a pile and it just keeps going and going and going. And as it gets bigger and bigger, you start going, wow, this is really, this is a big, this is a big deal. And so I get a little excited when I read it. Here we go. It just happens. I'm convinced, not I think, I hope, I wish. I am convinced, okay? This is the Apostle Paul writing. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Those are some pretty big words. I'm convinced of this. Nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow! Uh, maybe you read those verses before and your, your Bible didn't have wow in it. Mine just kind of adds it. Okay? Did you catch any of that? Nothing. The circumstances that are there, nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing from the outside, nothing from the inside, nothing, nothing, nothing. It's always there. It's complete. It's full. Addictions can't separate you from God's love. Not legal trouble, not fear and worry. No one else trying to distract you or to defeat you can separate you. Not even the demons of the devil himself can separate you from God's love ever. That is a woo-hoo right there. Listen, you can't separate yourself from God's love. You can't do it, if, even if you wanted to. Now, I'm not sure why you would want to, quite honestly, but if you did want to, you couldn't. God would keep on endlessly loving you with the same passion and the same focus and the same fervor as before. You can't get away from it. That's a good thing. Now, my, my response to that is simple, and it brings us to a, a wonderful point as we get to the close of my talk. And that's simply my response is to rest in it. It's to rest in it. God's love is with me always, always means always, and I can, I can rest in it. I can breathe a big sigh of relief. I can stop trying so hard, afraid to lose God's love if I mess up. I can rest knowing that I'm secure in his love. You know, very little is safe or secure or sure in our world today, but the love of God is 100%. It's no doubt. There's no wavering. There's no hesitation, and that is a huge sigh of relief that, can, that God can bring us. So today, you've been invited to embrace God's extravagant love that makes no sense, <laughs> no sense on a human level. You've been encouraged to know and experience and be empowered by God's limitless love, and you've just now been invited to actually rest in a topsy-turvy life, to rest in the certainty of God's love for you that will be with you always, regardless of the circumstances. And we start to see that this is a morning to celebrate. All of a sudden, this God loves me is, God loves me. 
my eyes get big and my heart starts to pound. God's love demonstrated to us and given to us in Jesus. It's more than I will ever stand, ever understand. And that's a great thing. And that's a celebration. And I want now to celebrate the extravagant love of God today, into this week, in the next week, and for eternity, celebrate that. And I want to begin with the moment right now as we get to celebrate with our worship team singing about God's extravagant love. Let's listen and celebrate with them. Never be a greater love. Repeat after me, if you will. God loves me. I don't say God, you. God, you're saying these exact words. God loves me for who I am. It doesn't matter what I do. God loves me. Hmm. Hmm. I want to embrace it. I want to know it. I want to experience it. I want to be empowered by it, and I want to rest in it. Is that your desire today and this week? It's what God has for you. You're powered for that if you're in Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, you revealed your love to us every moment of every day, and I got to confess, I'm, I'm blind to it, maybe a lot, honestly, sometimes. Father, I pray that you'd reveal your love and that we could experience it in full that we'd open ourselves to you, to rest in you, and to embrace you. All these things we've talked about, God. Father, I pray if there's anybody here today that has never taken that step and crossed the line and given their life to Jesus, that they would do that today. Father, it's a way to truly experience your love, and we know that. And if that's you today, it's a simple matter of, of confessing, admitting to God that you are a sinner, that you've lived life for yourself, that you've not lived according to God's ways and then asking his forgiveness in Jesus Christ and thanking him for sending Jesus to die on the cross and asking him to lead your life and asking him to love you and give you new life. Now, maybe you've done that a year ago or 10 or 20 or 30 years ago. Ask for his love to complete and fulfill you today and into the week and beyond, <laughs> to infinity and beyond. Lord God, you want to love us. You do love us. May we dwell and rest in your love. In Jesus' name, amen.